We are in a series, we're actually wrapping up a series that we've been kind of having a good time with all summer, um, talking about spirit wars, and we've been having fun with Star Wars, but really it's about spiritual warfare and how everybody is involved in that, and it's a big deal. We've covered a lot of biblical ground. If you didn't hear some of it, it's all online. You can listen to iloveourchurch.com. Uh, or iTunes, there's even an, on the website, there's a thing that kind of looks like an app kind of thing that you can just have on your phone to listen to these. But I want to give you some highlights because not everybody has been here. I know this is why we do what we do in summer. Kind of, we, we kind of scatter things out just because it's hit and miss. People are coming and going and stuff. So here's some highlights from the, the past 10 weeks of this. There is an invisible war being waged around you. And if you doubt it, I could give you the names of about 300 people at Journey North Church that would set you straight. There is a spiritual war going on. Sometimes we focus on the physical, thinking that's what the real problem is, and it's not. It's a spiritual war going on around you. Another thing we looked at is when you commit to Christ, and this is good news, when you commit to Christ, you win. You're a winner. Loss is impossible. Now, the war is won. I understand there are battles along the way that you might lose, which is why we're doing this series so that you don't have to lose as many of those. But ultimate loss is impossible because you're a winner if you have Jesus. And you get to operate from a position of victory. That's, that's where you start from, is Jesus won we get to start there in this spiritual war. And one of the things we kind of looked at briefly was um, it isn't God versus Satan. It isn't good versus evil. I see that somebody always puts this on, uh, on their Facebook thing because it just looks cool. There's this picture of this really macho, muscular Jesus arm wrestling the devil. And it's like, yeah, and you know what? That's so wrong. Because it makes it seem like there's this battle between good and evil and, and who's going to win. It's not God versus the devil. It's God. He's God. He's one. He's just allowing the devil a little bit on his leash for a short time. That's all it is. Don't get thinking that, oh, I wonder if God can handle this. God can handle it, all right? And here's something. If you have accepted Jesus as Savior... God has equipped you with all of his armor. That's huge. You can not put it on and you'll lose the battle that you're in at the moment, but you can put it on and be victorious. And the battle, we talked about this a couple times because it's extremely important. The battle, the battle begins in the mind. It's not starting in all the things that are happening around us and in us and through us and to us. It all starts in the head. And so our thinking must be rooted in truth, in the truth of God's Word. If it's not there, we're going to be susceptible to every wind that blows. And what we need to do is realize it starts in our head and change our thinking. And you say, I can't change my thinking. Yes, you can. If I can, anybody can. You can change your thinking. That's what it says in Romans 12, that we win by allowing God to renew our mind. That means changing the way we think. And we can do that because that's where the battle starts. We talked about the fact that uh, we can get stuck in a stronghold. And we defined a stronghold as a pattern of believing lies repetitively. Things that we have heard or even said to ourselves so many times that we assume they're true. 
and it's a stronghold of Satan. It's, they're not true. Those lies are not true. God won. Jesus won the battle for us, and we don't have to get stuck and trapped in that. We spent the last few times talking about authority. We talked about the authority of Jesus' name when we pray. Jesus, who, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. We have that authority when we pray, if we're followers of Jesus. We talked about having the authority of God's word when we obey it. When we do what God's word says, we have that authority and can win the battles. When we lose the battles, in fact, I would challenge you, think of some of the major spiritual battles in your life that is lost, that you have lost, and I guarantee if you go back and look at them, you will find a whole bunch of disobedience scattered throughout there. Because when we disobey, that's what happens. And then last week we talked about the authority of the Holy Spirit. When we surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we have that authority. So that's really all 10 weeks. That's, that's the whole thing. And you think, boy, you could have saved a lot of time, Tim, just <laughs> done that. I actually want to help you remember that. And so I know the Spirit Wars thing we've been having fun with Star Wars. I even have my Yoda shirt on today, which one of my, my granddaughters absolutely is mesmerized by this Yoda shirt. It's really funny. When I see her, she always goes like this. And it's like, she wants me. This is just so cool. And so I take her, everything's cool. Today, she's like this, and when I grab her, instantly. <laughs> she's looking at it, it's like she doesn't want me, she wanted my Yoda shirt. Um, but we've been having some fun with this, and I don't have a, a Star Wars clip per se today, so I made one. I made one that is a recap of all ten weeks. You've got to read, but I know that you can read this. It's gonna, if you're Star Wars people, you'll get it, you'll get it for sure. But just watch up on here, and it'll help you remember what I just said. I actually made a whole movie, but we're not going to watch the whole thing right now. We're just going to have that little bit of a recap. That's really what we spent the summer talking about, and, and I'm not kidding. If you missed any of those, they're, they're free. Just go on and listen to them. The outlines are there to download because you are in a battle, and I want you to win. In fact, I not only want you to win, I want you to finish well. That's what we're going to talk about today, about how to finish well. How to win. Maybe this is just what you need to hear now. Maybe what you're going through you thought was going to take you down. It was going to be the thing that did you in. And you need to hear now that you can finish well. And maybe as we do our, 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 our family fun fest and, and kind of kick off this new season, we have fall starting, we have you know new school year, we have everything can be new here, it's a good thing. Maybe as, you start, as you're starting this new season, you need to hear this because in the middle of everything, you need to know you can finish well. Maybe you're just getting into something and you don't know that it's going to be an issue. You don't know that it's going to be trouble. You don't know that it's going to be a battle. You need to have what you need ahead of time so that you can finish well. That's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to do that based on a passage of Scripture. There's a guy in the New Testament like super Christian named Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote you know, a third of the New Testament or more. Um, and one of the people that he mentored and helped in, in, to grow in his relationship with Jesus is Timothy. And I think this, this is amazing to me. I love seeing how Paul treated Timothy, how he helped him grow, how he mentored him. And it's so funny because I talk all the time about how you need to have somebody in your life who's pulling you up like that. 
And then you need to have somebody in your life that you're helping up like that. And I always used to say, it's like Paul and Timothy. And, and I would say, now, I have a guy who I've met with for almost 20 years now, 19 years. We've only missed a handful of times every Thursday, and he's helped me immensely. And it's like, it took about 15 years for me to realize, wait, his name's Paul, mine's Timothy. How cool is that? It's like, how could I not have realized that sooner? But this is Paul writing Timothy. And, and Paul is near the end now. And we're going to see what he has to say about what's happened and what's going to happen. And here's what he says, starting in verse 6 of 2 Timothy 4. Paul says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. He has spent his life as an offering to God. And his life is basically now spent. He's near the end of it. He's not going to be around much longer. He said, The time of my death is near. And it's not like old age. He knew he was going to be executed, but he had worked and done what God wanted him to do. He said, the time of my death is near, and I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and remained faithful. How I want to be able to say that when I get to the end. I want to be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and have remained faithful. And he says, very encouraging, and now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. Paul's looking forward to that day. He's going to get the prize. And he says, and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So this is Paul near the end of his life writing to Timothy one more time to encourage him, to help him. And from this passage, what I want to see for us today is that encouragement. We're going to look at four words of encouragement for finishing well. Because I know we're all in a battle. I know that. And I know that the battle can be tough. The spiritual battle can be tough. And you've experienced that. Some of you are not experiencing that right now. And all I want to say is, Buckle up, because you're either in it or you're about to go in it. That's how life works. And so I want to encourage you so that you can win. So four words of encouragement for finishing well. Here's the first one from this passage. You have just enough time to complete all of God's purposes for your life. You have just enough time to complete all of God's purposes for your life. I know what some of you are thinking because it's easy to feel that because of, of things that have happened, because of bad choices, maybe by you, maybe by others, maybe just because of what's happened or because what appears to be, you know, like really bad luck, you know, or fate or a hundred other reasons, you're thinking, I have wasted too much of my life and time. There's no way that I'm going to be able to finish and complete God's purposes for my life. And you might be feeling yeah, that's nice, but it's, it's too late. I don't have enough time to finish the race the way that I should. Because you're seeing what's going on and you're seeing what's happened and you said, yeah, I've, just, I've wasted too much of this. If that's what you're thinking, you need to remember who wrote this. The guy who wrote this is Paul. Now I said, Paul is like super Christian, the Apostle Paul, you know. You remember the first half of his life? He was not called Paul. We talked about this a little while ago. His name was Saul. And the first half of his life was spent 
hunting down Christians to have them arrested and killed. I don't want to see a show of hands, but anybody that's been your job for the first half of your life, hunting down, I know people, (laughs) that's what they think, but that's what he did. It'd be pretty easy for him to think, oh man, I have wasted so much of my life. You talk about having a past that you might regret. That's what his past was like. And he had seemingly wasted a lot of years. But when you read what he writes, after Jesus got a hold of him, he never looked back. He, he didn't even, he, he broke away from that regret over the past and he lived the rest of his life with a spiritual passion and fire that we can still feel today as we read what he wrote. And it would have been very easy for him to say, yeah, well, I can't complete everything that God gave me because of how I screwed up so much at the beginning. But he didn't say that. And regardless of where you've been or what you've done or what's happened to you, you can complete God's purposes for you too. You need to hear that today. You can complete God's purposes for you because you have just enough time to complete all of the purposes God has for you. I don't know how much time you have left, but I know that you have just enough to complete all the purposes He has for your life starting right now. Don't go back into the past and don't say, because of this, I can't do this or I can't do that. Just starting right now, that's true of you. And and that's by keeping your eyes on Jesus, by fighting the good fight, by keeping faithful to what he asks us in obedience and in all the ways and with all the tools we've discussed in this series in the last 10 episodes that you saw recapped here. That's how we do that. So that's the first word of encouragement. Here's the second word of encouragement. God has prepared and equipped you with everything you need to win the fight. That should come as good news. Everything you need to win the fight, God has prepared and equipped you. I understand it gets tough. I get that. We've all been there. Now, nobody's been where you are except you. And it's tough. I get that. But I also know that you are up to this because God made you up to this. You say, nobody knows what I'm going through. Guess what? God does. And he equipped you and prepared you and made you up to this. He created you. He saved you. He called you. He he equipped you for all of his will in your life. There's There's a cliche and, and you have to be careful because sometimes we hear something that's like, that's a cliche. And you know, cliches are cliche, <laughs> but sometimes they're cliches because they're true. And something I've heard over and over in my life, and it always, it has always rung so true to me, and you've probably heard it, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. That's my life. When God called me, There was nothing equipped at all about this. And I wasn't the only one who noticed that. (laughs) Everybody around me noticed that too. And when I shared what I believe God had called me for, when the laughter died down, they would say, yeah, that's not you. 
And it wasn't. Because God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And what he calls you to do, he will equip you to do. I keep thinking, I, can't even, I can never remember what that guy's name is who keeps popping into all those movies and says, you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. That's what I want you to hear. You can do it. We have spent the last 10 weeks, or at least 10 episodes, unwrapping that for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you already have what it takes to win the fight. And there is a fight. But there's a fight that's worth engaging. It's worth fighting and it's worth winning because there's a prize at the end. And maybe you're in a tough time right now, or maybe you're coming out of a tough time, or maybe it's been like a while since you and trouble have met. I'd like to show you a video clip. It's actually a commercial. And you might think, this has nothing to do with what you're talking about. <laughs> I just like it, so I'm <laughs> going to show it to you. It's about trouble. But what I want is when you watch and hear this, I want you to have the same oomph about you that this person does. So watch. Hello, Trouble. It's been a while since we last met. But I know you're still out there. And I have a feeling you're looking for me. Get you. Don't you trouble. Instead of living in fear, I want you to have the guts to, to say, hello, trouble, remember me? I don't want you to be the one cowering in fear thinking that trouble's coming. I want you to realize you have what it takes to win because of Jesus and trouble should cower in fear because of you. Please don't go looking for trouble. You don't have to. It will find you. But I just want you to be prepared. I want you to be equipped. I don't want you to live in fear of what's coming next because you've got this. If you've got Jesus, you've got what it needs. You've got what you need to win. He's prepared and equipped you with everything you need to win 
this fight. That's the second word of encouragement. The third word of encouragement for finishing well from this passage of Scripture is this. Your persistence matters far more than your performance. Your persistence matters far more than your performance because faithfulness is what matters. It's, it's I know you fall, but it's consistently getting back up. Getting back into the fight. You see, you don't have to perform perfectly, but you do have to keep on fighting till the end. I just keep hearing the, the queen singing, we are the champions. Keep on fighting till the end. And I can't sing that high. but um. See, Paul's words here, when he writes his passage, his words specific, specifically indicate that he has been faithful to uphold the doctrines, the body of truth about Jesus Christ, the Scriptures. He's been faithful to keep that. He's been faithful to live that, to obey, to stay faithful to the truth. That's why he could say, regardless of all the things that had happened in the past, that he can win. There's a prize waiting. See, you might feel like you failed or, or like you've fallen or like you forfeited the win. Here's the secret. Get back. You say, but you don't know. I don't need to know. You just need to get back up. Your persistence matters far more than your performance. God's not going to look back at all the time and say, well, you failed 47 times last year. <laughs> what He's going to say is, you got back up. You stuck with it. You stuck with me. That's persistence. And your persistence matters far more than your performance. Here's the fourth word of encouragement from this passage. There is a reward. I like that. There is a reward for all who eagerly look forward to His appearing. Here's how I summarize it. It will all be worth it. It will all be worth it. Paul calls the reward in this passage, he calls it a crown of righteousness. And it's easy to think that, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Paul. But he points out it's not just for apostles or pastors or super Christians. It's for all who eagerly await Jesus appearing. And you say, well, I'm waiting. I'm eagerly waiting. Let's, let's define it a little bit. Because he's not talking about sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back. Um, Remember when the disciples saw Jesus ascend into heaven? And it happened in the Gospels, it was recorded, but in Acts 1, it kind of does that recap and explains that right before the church starts. It said, here's what happens. And the, the Jesus has risen from the dead. He's hung out with the apostles for all this time, and now he's going he's gonna to leave. And what they're thinking is, okay, all of this is starting now. The kingdom's starting. We have the king here. He's risen from the dead. Here's what's going to happen. And they're asking, is it at this time you're restoring your kingdom? And they get right into, here's all the end time stuff. You know, this is good. We're going to start this. And Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority in Acts 1-7. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As he tells them that, the power that they were to receive shortly happened at the day of Pentecost. We've talked about this, and the church began. 
that same power that started all that rolling 2,000 years ago is the same power you get when you turn your life over to Jesus. You get that same spirit to be able to help you win. And Jesus says, that's what's going to happen. And you're going to be my witnesses. And he tells them, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We hear that now. And when I was growing up in church, you hear that. It was always a missionary thing. That's, you know, you do this, this, and this. They didn't realize that he didn't say that you should be witnesses in these places. He says you will be. And that's because very shortly after that, the persecution was going to begin. And they were going to be scattered from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And they were witnesses. And we're the beneficiaries of that. And it says, after he said this, after Jesus said that to them, he was taken up before their very eyes. He was snatched up. They're standing there talking to him, and all of a sudden it's like, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. He went up into the clouds and disappeared. I have a feeling every single one of us would be in the exact same position that every one of the disciples were at that moment. Head up, mouth open. It's like, what? As they watch him go, but you know what they knew? He's coming back. So there they stand. <laughs> Just then, two guys appeared. It's not like they snuck up on him, you know. It's easy to sneak up on somebody when they're looking in the clouds because somebody just disappeared. That's not a challenge. It's like sneaking up on somebody who's vacuuming. That's not even a challenge, okay? These guys appeared next to them, and they weren't just guys. These two men dressed in white were messengers. They were angels. And it said it, these two men suddenly stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee, you disciples here, you guys from Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Now, he didn't stop there because there's an answer to that question. But because Jesus just flew up and we're, you know, he says this same, they continue, these two guys. Why do you stand looking here in the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And I can, I can think with them and they're thinking that's why we're standing here waiting. Right. He says, no, you don't understand. When God gives you something like that, when he gives you that dream, it's not, it doesn't happen right then. It's going to happen. But there's a meantime. When God called me and told me what I was going to be doing, the first thing I said was, yeah, right. Not knowing it was going to take 20 or 30 years to get to that point. He just let me know that and then began equipping me. These guys knew that Jesus was coming back. They're waiting for him. They're standing there looking, and the two angels had to remind them there's kind of an in-between time. They didn't tell him, you know, it's going to be 2,000 years at least. <laughs> didn't tell him that. But there's going to be an in-between time. But Jesus is coming back. In the meantime, instead of standing here staring up into heaven, get busy. That's what they're told to do. Get busy. And that's where we're at right now. Jesus is coming back. We are eagerly awaiting his return. We don't know when. It could be tomorrow. It could be in five minutes. It could be in a hundred years. We have no idea. We just know he's coming back. We need to be prepared and we need to be busy. And while we're busy, we're eagerly awaiting and looking forward to his coming back. I am so looking forward to that. 
as I watch what, hap what is happening in the world, Julie and I did something for a bit to see if it would work. We, we stopped watching the news. We weren't really having much of an effect on it anyhow. <laughs> and, and, and we stopped watching it, and, and we started watching a little bit of it again and realized, okay, it got worse. And guess what? It's going to keep getting worse. Because the more we push God out of things, the worse it's going to get. That's what happens. I am eagerly waiting his return because I know things are going to get better when he returns. Until then, there's a job to do because people need Jesus. Let me read a couple passages of scripture for you. In Philippians 3, it says this. But we, the we in this is believers, not church people. It's believers, followers of Jesus, those who have chosen him. They believed and received Jesus. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. That means I'm here, I'm on earth, but I'm an alien. I'm a resident alien in the United States. But my citizenship is in heaven where Jesus is. And it says, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And there's thousands of reasons why. He mentions one after this that for me is a really important one. He says in the next verse, when Jesus returns as our Savior, he will take our weak, mortal bodies. Now, I know that doesn't apply to any of you. It applies to me big time. This weak, mortal body is becoming more weak and more, more, more weak and more mortal as the days go. And I am looking forward to the fact that he is going to take this weak, mortal body and change it into a glorious body like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Remember, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Throughout the entire universe, all the power, all the authority is Jesus. And he will take that authority and that power and give me a new body. I can't wait for that. We're Everybody who knows Jesus will get that. Everybody who knows Jesus will be bald. It says we're going to be perfect, right? So... Never mind. That's only one of the very small things I'm looking forward to. The next verse, I want to read another verse. It talks about looking forward. In Titus 3, it says this. While we look forward with hope, and that's a key, because that's probably the thing that this world is lacking the most is hope. The people around you who are hurting need People need hope. And it says, we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and the glory of our great Savior, who is that great God and who is that great Savior? Jesus Christ. It says, we look forward to that day with hope when he will be revealed. He said, I'm looking forward to him coming back. I'm looking forward to the, the brokenness and the pain and the hurt of this world being set right. I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to heaven. I know that we don't know everything about heaven. We could never understand it, but he's given us some amazing glimpses in scripture. And I, and, and I've spent 40 years looking at those glimpses and studying it. And I just got a little bit of a picture, but I had a really good imagination and I cannot wait for heaven. 
But you know what I'm really looking forward to? More so than the new body, more so than this amazing heaven, there's one thing I'm looking forward to above all else. I get to see Jesus. I will stand before Jesus. And the only reason I'll be there is because of Jesus. I love it when I hear people say, you know, I, I go to a good church. I, 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 I know God. I have this relationship with God. All those things are good and necessary. But they're not enough. If all you can say about your testimony is, I know God, there is only one way to know God. Jesus. Can't know God without Jesus. God said it. Jesus said it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. My testimony is not that I know God. My primary testimony is Jesus. I know Jesus. And because of that, I have a relationship with God. He said, God said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only through Jesus. I get to stand before Jesus. I get to be at the wedding feast with Jesus. That's what gives me hope. Because he has all authority in heaven on earth and he is living right here. I don't have to worry about the spiritual battle that's coming. I can say, trouble, you should be the one worrying because of who's in me. I look forward to his coming back because I know that things are going to get set right. But I also know there's a lot to be done in the meantime. There's a lot of people who don't have that hope. There's a lot of people who need to get started again. They need to get up again and get busy again and get working so that they can finish their race and so that they can accomplish and complete the purposes God gave for them. So let me ask you this. How do you feel about Jesus coming back? See, God's eagerly waiting for the moment of your reward. Are you? God wants to reward you. And he wants you to want to be rewarded. So the question becomes, is your faith where it should be? Have you trusted Jesus as king and savior of your life? Because maybe for you it's been about church. It's been about religion, rules and regulation. Maybe you've been coming for years and it's just about church. And somebody says, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because I go to church. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Going to McDonald's does not make you a hamburger. <laughs> Going to a garage does not make you a car. Going to church does not make you a Christian. The church is people who have turned their lives over to Jesus. And maybe, maybe you're not operating from a position of victory yet. Maybe you can even talk the talk. But you're not operating from that position of victory because you haven't turned your life over to Jesus as King and Savior. And today is a day for you to listen as he, he, he doesn't hit you over the head with a two-by-four. He whispers, this is why I brought you here. This is why you're here today, to hear this. That by saying, I not only believe, I receive. I believe Jesus came and died for me but I am, I'm going to take the next step 
and receive him as my personal Savior. I'm asking him in. He is now going to be the Lord. He is now going to be the Master. Do I understand it all? Nope. I did that over 40 years ago, and I still don't understand it all. But he changed my life, and he wants to change yours. You need to enter into that relationship with God through Jesus to get what it takes to really win. And then, like we've talked about for 10 other episodes here in this series, there are things that we can do, there are things that we can claim, there are things that are right there within our grasp because we have what it takes to do it so that we can win that battle because of Jesus. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Father, I know that um, with the number of people that are hearing this right now, that there's probably that many different battles going on. And my prayer is, first of all, for those who they feel like they're losing, they feel like that too much has happened, that too much has gone by, and they don't have that relationship with you. And I pray that they would be encouraged today, even from, from the Apostle Paul's story, how um, it, it seemed that he wasted so much of his life, but yet when you took a hold of him, he never looked back. And I pray that anybody listening to this now that does not have that intimate, personal relationship with you would lay aside their pride, would lay aside their what has kept them from you, and just in simple faith say, Jesus, I believe you came for me. I believe you died on the cross not to pay for your sins, but to pay for mine. And that by receiving you as my Savior, I can be forgiven. I can have that past forgiven. I can have a new meaning and purpose in my life today that I get your power and authority to accomplish. And I can have that living hope for the future looking forward to your return. Father, my prayer is anybody who's not ever experienced that would today for the first time claim you. That they would see that they get what they need then to follow you. To have the victory that they need that they can begin that incredible journey with you and with us as a family. And Father, for those who have already stepped across that line, I pray that you would help us on a regular basis to to claim that authority, to live under that authority, to do what's necessary to keep getting up to following you with our eyes on the prize, with our eyes on you, knowing that we have time to accomplish what you put us here to accomplish. We love you, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. That was fun. I, I know, I know it's tough sometimes. I get that. Whether for you, this is one of the, this is the best of times, or maybe this is the worst of times. I don't know where you're at right now, but I know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. <coughs> what if, what if you were actually made for this moment? What if it all led up to this? What if it was all about you being here and made for such a time as this? One of my favorite books is the book of Esther. That's where that line comes from. Maybe you were placed here for such a time as this. We're going to start a new series next week. 
very excited about it. We're going to talk about that in a number of different ways because God is the author of this grand story of redemption. And that story includes you. You are part of that. In the book of Esther, Esther was this uh, lady who was definitely a hero to her nation. But Esther was not the actual hero of the book of Esther. God is. You know how many times God's mentioned in the book of Esther? Not once. (laughs) But his gracious hand of providence is in every single verse. So if you want to prepare for the series that's coming up in your Bible, if you turn to about the middle, you're in Psalms, usually. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, the easiest way, turn to the table of contents and find Esther. Look at the page number and read Esther. It's a very short book. We're going to be talking about that for a few weeks, and I cannot wait to, to show you how amazing God is and how he wants to be the hero of your story. So when I say you're dismissed, there is a family fun fest outside. You'll get a chance to meet people. You'll get a chance to meet first service people because they're coming back. I hope they're coming back. We invited them back. And and don't worry about the game. We're going to do everything we can to get the game on the TV out there so you won't be missing that. Some of you might want to miss it. We don't know what's going to happen. We never do. But we're going to have some fun out there, and, and so you get a chance to just mingle a little bit. I, I think there's hot dogs and chips and stuff. I don't know when all it starts, but we'll have a good time. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much for what you've done for us. And as we get a chance just to, to have some fun together, Father, I pray that you would help us, um, even in that, to demonstrate to all of the people who are watching your amazing love for us. Thank you for the fact that we have victory in Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.